y'all. Let's welcome up Adam. What's up, guys? Drag this across the stage for a second here. Here we go. Great. How's your week going? All right. Oh, so, so, not good. Only a few more weeks and summer is here. Everybody ready for summer? Everybody excited about summer? So, uh, so I noticed we have a few guests in the house tonight. If you're a guest with us tonight, welcome. Welcome to One Life Youth. Uh, if you're a guest with us, it means you get to be first in line at the bathroom. That's about it. That's the only thing it means, really. Nothing else, okay? I mean, we're happy to have you here tonight. Um, in case you haven't guessed yet, this is really loud. I'm not sure if it's just me or what, but um, in case you haven't guessed yet, uh, we enjoy worshiping Jesus. We love Jesus dearly. And we're very aware that the only thing that's going to change your life is not some cool youth group, not some grum, gray-hold air guy like me talking to you like that, not an amazing worship team, not a bunch of screens. None of that's going to change your life. What's going to change your life is Jesus. And so everything we do here is centered and focused on Jesus. If you're a guest here with us tonight, I hope you're okay with that, because that's all we like to talk about is Jesus. Having said that, you're probably hanging out with your friends, you're here goofing around, and if you're doing some stupid stuff, that's okay, just don't get in trouble, all right? <laughs> um, we love having guests with us, and I uh, love all of you regulars. Cheer for your, if you're a regular at One Life Youth, cheer for yourself here. Yeah. A lot of regulars. So you guys are always here, always here, always causing problems and trouble everywhere. It's always good. Um, so tonight we're continuing on with our series around uh, Follow Me. So our new series, ooh, look at this. Ooh, it's like screens everywhere, up there, over there. I don't know where to look here. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> I just don't want this to follow my head. That's what I'm worried about, that one. Um, so we're doing our new, continuing on with our series. Tonight's the last night in our series, Follow Me. And the last few weeks have been basically looking at following Jesus, what it really means to follow Jesus, how it's a call to die and a call to live. Uh, there's a call for us to die to ourselves, our own ambitions, our own wants, desires, and a call to live to what Jesus has for us. And the greatest challenge you're going to have in life, your entire life, is to do that over and over and over again. It's to die to the things you're wanting and live to the things Jesus wants for you. And fully understanding that the things Jesus wants for you is actually much better than the things you're wanting anyway. Because nine times out of ten, a lot of the things you're wanting and chasing after aren't really good for you. Not everything, okay, but a lot of things you chase after probably aren't really good for you anyway. A lot of things that you're getting, uh, a lot of promotions and sales stuff and all the social media stuff pumping your way, trying to pump certain ideas to you all the time, all those things are out there, actually aren't there for your benefit. You understand that, right? I don't care what anybody says. They're trying to sell you something. It's probably not for your benefit ultimately, okay? <laughs> they're trying to sell you something so they can put money in their pocket, all right? They're not trying to sell you stuff for their, oh, it's just so, it's maybe helpful for you, yes, but ultimately they need to put food in their tables. They're trying to sell you something, all right? Just be aware that, that a lot of stuff that's going on in your world a lot of stuff you're getting fed all the time may not be the best things for you. But the one thing I can guarantee, I can promise, is the best thing for you is following Jesus. It's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy. It's going to suck at times. Matter of fact, the first 12 guys that followed Jesus, we call them the 12 disciples, right? Most of us, if you know anything about the Bible, you know about these 12 guys that followed Jesus. And all the verses we've been looking at about these 12 guys and their response to Jesus, the first ones to initially follow Jesus. Do you know all of them died? Not natural deaths. All of them were killed because they followed Jesus. Some were crucified upside down. Some were stoned. Some were heads were cut off. Some were beaten. Poor old John, he was never killed for following Jesus, but they tried to kill him. They boiled him in oil, like deep fried him, okay? That didn't kill him. They pulled him out. 
and they put tar all over his body. And that still didn't kill him, so they, hot tar, by the way. And so they sent him to an island, and that's where he lived out the remainder of his days. And that's where he wrote some books that we read today in the Bible. So he didn't die, but he went through some pretty brutal stuff just because he decided to follow Jesus. Can I tell you, this is starting off very heavy at the very beginning. There's no jokes, no funny stuff here. Sorry about that. <laughs> but at the very beginning, you're all going to die. No. <laughs> Yay, I'm so excited. This is just great. Best youth group ever. <laughs> But the red, that's the call, the call of us to not physically die, but yes, die in the same way. And sometimes it's just as brutal to die to the stuff you're wanting and desiring as it is to physically die. The same way John was left with scars from being deep fried and then put hot tar and then sent to an island, he was left with scars all over his body. You can imagine being burned like that so severely. And sometimes dying to some of the things you need to die to, your desires, your wants, your ambitions at times are going to leave scars and you're going to carry them the rest of your life. It's not easy, not fun. So it's no doubt that here we are, the passage we're looking at tonight is the very last time the disciples get to see Jesus physically on this earth. So what's happened up to this point, we're going to carry it on into April, but what's happened up to this point is that, is that Jesus has done these incredible things, three years of incredible ministry. We've seen lots of miracles and signs and wonders and people follow Jesus and he's done crazy things. And he's got about 500 or so people that we think we can gather from Scripture. About 500 or so people are now plus minus gathering and following Jesus. But then Jesus dies on the cross. We know the story. Easter's coming up, right? It's not about the Easter bunny and eggs. All those eggs are good, okay? Chocolate ones especially with cream inside, okay? But it's not about the Easter bunny. It's about Jesus dying on the cross. We're going to look at that next week. And then the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus in the tomb, and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus coming back to life, physically coming back to life. Not some spiritual thing. His physical body, physical being came back to life. For those of you who may not know, that, that actually still happens today, by the way. Well, I know personal people, friends of mine, that have come back from life that were dead and are alive today. Okay? They're all younger than me, not even as old as me, and they came back to life. Okay? So this happens to Jesus, miraculously, for the first time, happens to Jesus. God brought him back to life after death. And now we sit in this moment where just the, the 11, not the 12, because the one guy betrayed Jesus and he went and killed himself, committed suicide. So now we have just 11 guys left that we know of. And they're there with Jesus at this moment, the scripture we're going to read in a moment. They're there with Jesus. They see him for the last time. Jesus is getting ready to leave them, okay? They've had all these experiences. They've seen Jesus do everything he's done. He told them before he died, hey, there's a time coming, I'm going to die, but it's okay, I'll come back again. This whole thing, he tells them what's going to happen. It all happens. Now they see him there in his, what we call his glorified body. The body that was dead, now is brought back to life and alive again. He's fully Jesus, fully God in this moment. Who knows what it looks like? It's like light shining, up. who knows, I don't know, okay, right? Like literally, light shining out your backside, I don't know. Maybe Jesus has that, I don't know, right? But in this moment, it's, it's glorious, it's everywhere, he's radiant, he's shining, it's Jesus alive, and there's the disciples in this moment, and these are the last few moments we have of Jesus on this earth with those last 11 disciples. It's been tough, it's not been easy. They all denied him at the cross, they all ran away because they're afraid of dying themselves. And these are the last few moments. But they've seen him come back to life. I mean, if you had, if you had seen somebody come back to life, if you had seen somebody say, hey, I'm going to die, but don't worry, I'll come back to life again, and I'll be even more powerful then, because I'll have all of my glory at my hands. I mean, if you saw those things, you'd seen all the things Jesus had done, 
had experienced. You'd had encounters with him. Maybe you had been some of the ones that had received miracles from Jesus. Maybe you were blind and now you can see. Maybe you, were a wall, you couldn't walk, but now you could walk. Maybe you couldn't hear and now you can hear. Maybe your son, your child was dead, as you read a few weeks ago, and Jesus raised him back to life in front of your eyes. Maybe you were there the moment that Jesus raised his best friend out of the tomb, having him being in the grave for three days, and he stinketh, right? <laughs> After three days, he raised him from the grave, comes out of the grave, and is alive. Maybe you're in all those moments. You've seen Jesus die and come back to life, and there you are in this moment in Matthew chapter 28. It says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. Because he, before he left, he said, listen, I'm going to meet you at this mountain. You need to go there. So the 11 were there now, ready to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And when Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of of the age, or the end of the world. Now what stood out to me, most people when they read this passage of scripture, they focus on the bottom part. And Jesus said, I have all authority, I want you to make disciples, I want you to observe what I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always, I'm with you guys, it's okay, everything I've got is yours. We tend to focus there, but we tend to skip over that little piece in verse 17. You've been through all this journey with Jesus, and it's when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. They all worshiped. They fell down. They were worshiping. This is Jesus, man. This is incredible. This is amazing. They're probably weeping, excited. This is the one we've waited for. This is the one who's going to change the world. This is truly the Savior of the world. This is incredible. And yet there's some more that are going, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> now, the word doubt of there, okay, we're going to get heavy for a moment, a little Greek, okay? The word doubt of there is not the normal word we would use for doubted in the New Testament. There's two different words. There's a longer word and a shorter word. This is the shorter one. <laughs> and this one doesn't mean to doubt like I don't believe, but it means like almost like you're a bit hesitant. Like this is just too dang good to be true. I'm not sure what the heck I'm supposed to do here in this moment, okay? I'm not sure what's going on here. I mean, I knew you before, Jesus. I mean, we walked the roads together. We saw each other's toe jam walking on the dirty roads, sweating every day. I know what you smell like, Jesus, okay? We ate meals together. We hung out together. I heard you snore at night, all right? And now you've died, you've been buried, and you came back three days later. Hold on a second. <laughs> some threw themselves down on their faces to worship, and some were like, ah, is this real? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> and some of you in the room tonight are just like those disciples. Some of you come into worship, ah, we're going to worship Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Others are like, yeah, I don't know. This is too good. These people look too happy. They look way too happy. <laughs> this is just a, I don't know if this is real or not. I mean, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus, but I don't know about all this. I don't know. That's what the word doubted there means. It means like you believe, but you, are you ready to fully commit? I believe in Jesus, but am I ready to give my life? <laughs> am I ready to die so that I can fully live? Because that's really what was happening in this moment. These disciples are calculating now. This is real. All those times he told us that we were going to have to die. All those times he told us that we were going to have to sacrifice. All those times he told us that there would be pain and suffering. Dang it. This is real. <laughs> it's not just like roast a marshmallow by the fire and go home and be happy and sleep in my warm cuddly bed at night. 
This isn't Jesus going to rub my heart, make me feel all better, make everything nice and wonderful. This is real. So in that moment, Jesus recognized. He didn't say, hey, man, come on, God, why are you doubting? Why don't you believe me? He said, listen, you've got to understand, the reason you're not fully in yet, the reason you're not, really, reason you're not fully committed yet, because you're telling yourself a certain story. So I have to believe in this moment, these are the last physical words Jesus is going to speak to his people. Think about it for a second. If you had somebody in your life that was precious to you, what would be the last words you're going to speak to them? Most people are like, I love you, you're amazing, you're incredible, those kind of things. What was Jesus' last words? Jesus' last words are right there. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The first thing you need to understand in your story is that Jesus is in charge. Jesus is in charge. Now, sometimes, why is that important? Because when, when you understand that, that Jesus is ultimately responsible for the story playing out in this world, then you understand that Jesus' story is the one that's going to uh, shape your life. That your story determines the season you're in. Your story determines your season. Your know season is like seasons come and go, right? You have fall and spring and winter and summer. And they keep going through cycles. And your life does the same thing. Your life goes through cycles of really good times and okay times and bad times and good times. That's just the nature of life itself. But your story in those moments, what you're telling yourself in those moments, will determine which thing you're really buying into. So you can go through a really difficult space, kind of like those 11 disciples did. Some of them suffering horrific things, but still remain worshiping Jesus. Because they knew this one thing. Jesus was ultimately the one in charge. Jesus knew something that they didn't. Jesus had a life for them which they couldn't begin to understand. Even when it was difficult and painful, they trusted him. So when I was, uh, when I was about 20, 21 years of age, um, uh, I was trying to work, saving money to go to South Africa. And uh, I had multiple jobs growing up, all kinds of jobs. I worked as a plumber for a while, did some carpentry work. I even worked uh, cleaning uh, dog poop at a stalls. Like dog, every day was my job. I climbed into climbed in the stall and cleaned out dog poop everywhere. Every day. That was my job for a while. Yep. Okay. I was a dog poop cleaner. That's what I did. Great job. Don't recommend it. All right. One of the jobs I had though at the age was setting tombstones in cemeteries. That was the job. Wasn't the most exciting job. Paid really well, but it wasn't the most exciting. One of the things I learned, though, in that space, because basically tombstones are just large pieces of stone, rock. They're large pieces of granite, right? They weigh a ton or more. So 1,200 pounds or more is what they weigh. They're not light. The lightest stone we had was 350 pounds. That was the lightest one. So we had this truck, and we was just myself and one other guy. I remember pulling up to this uh, uh, cemetery one day, and we had to put this headstone on top. And then sometimes they had what they called the capstones. And it had the big headstone here, and it had an eight-foot stone all the way down on top of the grave that was like two and a half, three feet wide. That was like 2,000 pounds plus. It was six inches thick. It was just a big slab of rock. And I'm looking on this truck thinking, how in the world are we going to get that big slab of rock off that truck over here onto this, uh, onto this uh, 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 grave over here? So don't worry, we'll put it on the, we'll take the crane, we'll lift it off, we'll put it onto the rollers, we'll roll it over. I said, I understand that, but when we get it on the ground, what you have to do, once you get a stone on the ground, you've got to adjust it. You can't just plop it on and leave it crooked, right? That'd be like rude. I mean, people will pay good money, it's their loved one that's passed away, they're trying to honor them. So they put the stones in like very specific locations, they need to be square and level and nice and neat and clean. You're honoring someone's death in this moment. It's precious to them. So the stones have to be straight. Now, if it's a 350-pound stone, it's easy to move. You get a crowbar, a bit of wood, you nudge this way a bit, nudge this way a bit, tap, tap here, tap, tap here. You can get it level and straight pretty easy. When it's a 2,000-plus stone, it's not going anywhere. 
So I remember us putting the big stone on the ground. We laid it on the ground, and Ed, the guy I'm working with, says, all right, go ahead and move it. <laughs> he stood there and said, well, are you going to move it? Well, Ed, unless you haven't noticed, I'm like 130 pound here, buddy, okay? <laughs> this 130 pound ain't moving that 2,000 pound rock. You need to get and help me. He goes, I'll help you. It ain't going anywhere. No, come on, Ed. And Ed was like a six foot six dude. He was a big dude, right? He looked like he moves rocks, okay? He was a rock himself. Come on. So he leaned down beside me. He and I both, push, push, push. He's looking at me laughing. Push. I'm sweat breaking out. Sun's beating down. This rock's not going anywhere. He said, let me show you a little secret. He said, I know something you don't. He went over to the truck. He got a little crowbar about this big and a piece of wood about like this, a little square piece of wood, like one by one piece of wood. I was like, what are you going to do with that? He goes, I'm going to move that rock. You're not going to move that 2,000-pound stone with a little tiny crowbar and a little piece of wood, and both of us couldn't move it two minutes ago. He said, watch. And he took the crowbar, he laid it on top of the wood, and he stuck it under the edge of the stone like this, and it went, and slid that rock little by little by little into the exact place it's supposed to be. One tiny little bar, one tiny little piece of wood, weighing far less than both of us, could move something that we couldn't move. Because Ed understood something that I didn't. Now, I could have worked on that piece of rock all day long. I would have never moved it. I would have probably broke it with the sledgehammer or something eventually. <laughs> but I wouldn't have moved it. But Ed knew something I didn't. Ed had some authority. And there's a little piece of wood and a tiny little crowbar. <laughs> and sometimes in your life, when it seems difficult and tough, and it feels like the sun of life is beating on you, and it's hot and dry and weary and difficult. And you're afraid to say, all right, Jesus, I'll trust you. And Jesus comes in and goes, <laughs> and reorders your life. But you've got to trust him because he has the authority and the power. You think you do. I think I do. We all think we do at times. We all think we know what's going on. We all think we know what's happening. We all think we know how to be cool in front of everybody. We all think we know how to look the best. Most every one of us came in this room tonight concerned about what somebody else was thinking about us. Every one of us, including the adults. <laughs> including me. Come in worried about, are you going to like this or not? Are you going to like me or not? I'm too old. Am I too young? Am I too fat and too, too pretty? All of us come with these thoughts running in our heads constantly. Do you like the beard? You don't like the beard. I don't know. I'm under your choice. You know, I don't know what to do. <laughs> makes me look older. Makes me look fatter. I don't know what's going on here. We all come in with these things. Concerns, worries, doubts, fears. And that moment's the same way, presenting ourselves in front of Jesus going, ah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And Jesus saying, hey, listen, I've got the authority. The first step in your story and understanding that I've got the authority over everything in your life. And if you just give me your life wholly and completely, throw yourself before me and give me everything, I trust you, I can make it better over time. It may not happen straight away. There may still be some crappy things to go through. But it will be better over time, and it will get better and better as your life goes on. As you surrender more and more in yourself. So here's the big secret. Nobody would like to tell you this. The big secret is, the older you get, the more junk you realize you've got to deal with. <laughs> You're never like, oh, yeah, me and Jesus, we are 100%. We are all good now. Nope, doesn't ever get that way. The more you learn, you think, crap, I thought I had that taken care of. <laughs> Dang it, I didn't even know that was there. Where'd you find that at? <laughs> How'd you unlock that space? I didn't know I had that inside of me. <laughs> Who told you you could go in that room? 
Because that's what happens. You realize, actually, you know what, Jesus? I'm really needing you. And the older you get, the more you realize that. The more you die. The more you die, the more you live. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell these disciples in that moment where they all threw themselves down to worship. And they said, but some doubted. In that moment of going, hey, it's not that I don't believe you. I mean, I've seen you do some incredible things. This moment is amazing. I just don't know how to respond to you because I don't know if I really want all this or not yet. And Jesus said, hey, I've got all, those, all the authority because your story determines the season you're going to be in. Because if your story is, I got the authority and not Jesus, your whole season of your life is going to look very different. I can guarantee you, I can promise you with 100% accuracy that if you think you've got the control of your life and you're going to do what you want, the way you want, the when you want it, how you want to do it, live your life, I can guarantee you, you're going to end up broken and hurt. Oh, you may put on the good look and good appearance. You may look like success all over, but behind the scenes, lonely, sad, hurting, broken people. How do I know that? Because I've seen those people. I've worked with those people intimately. Being a business leadership coach for a number of years, that's what I got to do. I worked with some of the wealthiest people, leaders of billion-dollar organizations. Men and women have more money than I could dream of. One of the, men, one of the guys I worked with, an older guy, crazy wealthy guy, he kept a million dollars in his bank account in, case, in his checking account in case he had a good deal in a business he needed to buy quickly. That was just his checking account, not the rest of his money. He invested all kinds of other money all over the place. And that same man... Sat in the office of me, tears, weeping, saying, I've got all this. At 65, almost 70, well, he's almost 70 at that point. He said, I've got all this, but I don't know if I've got my wife. Doesn't feel like we've been married for years. My two boys, they're doing great. I'm proud of what they're doing in business, but I don't know them. This 70 year old man, sad, crying in the office. Everybody thinks, oh, I want your life, the life of success. He thought he owned it all, could do it all the way he wanted to, and realized he lost a lot of things in the way that was very precious to him. Who's got the authority, Jesus or you? Here, the story is Jesus has all authority. The second thing he says is, go, therefore, make disciples. So I've got the authority, now you need to go and do the same thing I was doing. Go and help other people. Go and teach other people to do crazy things with me. Go and live your life in a way that people actually want to follow me. Go and make disciples. You ever thought about that? That you're called to make disciples? You're not called just to attend youth on a Wednesday nights. You're actually called to make disciples. So much so that you could be like Paul. Paul said, hey, if you want to follow Jesus, just do what I do. Could you say that right now in your life? Could you look to all your friends around you and say, if you really want to follow Jesus, you really want to know Jesus, just do what I do, and you'll know him. Could you, live, could you say that to your friends? I don't know. You could try it, see what it works out. I don't know how it plays out, you know. <laughs> Just do what I do. You'll get to know Jesus. Just do what I do, okay, right? Obviously, it's not talking about crazy stuff like that, right? Okay? Talk about the daily habits. Are you reading scripture? Are you praying? Are you worshiping? Are you encountering Jesus regularly? Is Jesus the authority in your life? And the last thing he says there is, not only he says, uh, uh, do what I do by making disciples, he actually says, teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. That's what he's talking about, making disciples. Teach them to observe all the things I've commanded you. That's your story. Your story is, 
Jesus has the authority. I'm called to walk in that authority and make disciples to help people follow Jesus because their life will be better if they do. And the way that I do that is teach others to follow the commands of Jesus. Pretty simple. Life is pretty simple when you get looking at it. <laughs> we make it complex and complicated. Oh, but if I do that, that's going to hurt. Yep, that's going to hurt. But if I live that way, I might lose some friends. Yep, you probably will lose some friends. But if I live that way, people might make fun of me. They probably will make fun of you. At least you don't have to die for it. Not physically anyway. The question is, what are you going to do with it? In this room tonight, there are some that are throw themselves down to worship. There are others that are hanging out going, Ah, I believe in you. This is great. Is it too good to be true? I don't know. I'm a bit scared, a bit nervous. There's a third group going, You all nuts. I'm just here to find the cute girl. That's why I'm here. I'm just here to hang out with my friends and have some fun and be stupid. That's why I'm here. And that's okay. We want all of you here tonight. Because at some point, every single one of you can have an encounter with Jesus. Sometimes it's over a conversation, like we see in Scripture. Sometimes it's over, literally as they break bread, people encounter Jesus. One point, it was actually a thief on a cross. As he was dying on a cross with Jesus by his side, it was in that moment he caught the revelation of who Jesus really was. But at some point in your life, you will have an opportunity to have a revelation of who Jesus is, and then you get to decide, do I want in? Do I want to really follow Jesus and go on this journey or not? Maybe tonight's at night. Maybe you never heard anybody talk to you like this before. Maybe next week, maybe the week after. Maybe it's in the middle of some crazy, stupid game. <laughs> but at some point, you'll have an encounter with Jesus. And you get to determine, do I want this or not? It's going to cost you, though. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you everything. It's not going to be easy. This is not the way to grow a cool youth ministry, by the way. <laughs> but my heart aches. When I hear your stories, when I see your social media feeds, my heart aches because your heart's aching. How do I know your heart's aching? Because you're chasing stuff to try to fill you. You're chasing things. That's not to say, have, go have fun. Do some crazy things. Just don't get arrested. <laughs> do fun stuff. Do crazy stuff. Dress your dog up in a pink tutu. That's what our boys did today with our dog for some strange reason. I got a picture if you want to see it. <laughs> Two crazy things. Drink a bottle of hot sauce and see what happens. Just do it a few days before youth because you'll still be on the toilet at youth if you do it too soon. See, what's that not? We want you to go have fun. Enjoy yourselves. Have fun. But don't sacrifice your bodies to each other. Don't sacrifice your bodies to social media so you get a few follows or a few likes. Don't sacrifice your minds to something just so people will like you. Because you're going to sacrifice to something. Jesus is saying, hey, sacrifice yourself to me and I can guarantee you it'll get better. It'll be difficult, it'll be hard, but it'll get better. But if you sacrifice these other things, it's nothing but brokenness down the road. They're on the mountain. They came to worship, but some doubted. Some weren't quite sure. Not that I don't believe, but hey, this is, this is too good to be true. Maybe that's you tonight.
Maybe you're sitting here going, hey, this sounds amazing, sounds cool. If that was really real, I would be in. But I'm just not sure it's really real. Can I tell you, hang around. Just hang around a bit longer. We see miracles happen here. We hear God speak to us regularly. We have regular encounters and worship with Jesus in his presence. Come to youth camp. Every single night's like an encounter space. I don't know what's going on at youth camp. You guys come in hot and heavy at youth camp. Good grief. You know how hard it is to schedule stuff for youth camp? Because you guys just don't shut up and won't stop worshiping. Then you start crying and stuff. I don't know what the deal's going on. It's crazy. Come, be a part. Go on the journey and see what happens. See what Jesus will do. Just see. Some of you have, have come in. You're like, yes, this is amazing. This is real. And then through the school, you're like, yes, this is amazing. This is real. Yes, this is amazing. Yes, it's amazing. And it's way over there now. It's way over there. Maybe you were some of the 500 that weren't here. There were only 11 here. Jesus had 500 following him. Where were they at? Circumstances. Life got typical. Life was just life, the business of life. And suddenly you find yourself way over here, and there's Jesus way over there. And you go, yeah, I think I, I did believe that. I, I was over there, but how, yeah, how do I get back over there? Jesus is the authority. What's he telling you to do right now? Obey his commands. One step at a time. And guess what? You're right back at the mountain with him again. Choice is yours. Nobody can force you. We're going to love you no matter what. We're going to love you if you're an idiot or if you're a genius. We're going to love you. Okay? We're going to love you if you hate Jesus or you follow Jesus. We're going to love you. You can't do anything to stop us from loving you. That's our choice. You get to choose whether you be on the journey with us or not. Can I ask you to stand, please? Follow me. Follow me. The last side says, what's your story? What's your story? So you got a story coming in here tonight that you're believing. But you can tell yourself a different story. And through the power of Jesus' transformation, it can radically change your life. Do you believe that Jesus has all the authority? Do you believe that he's called you to be a disciple and make disciples simply by following what he teaches us? That's all i got to do. It's first step. After that... On a wild roller coaster ride. There'll be ups and downs, there'll be painful points. You may run away like them and deny Jesus at times because you're embarrassed or ashamed. That's what they did. But Jesus always welcomes you back. Maybe you're on the other side of that and you have run away and you're back here tonight and it's time to come back. It's all right, Jesus is right there. Jesus didn't fuss at them for running away, He didn't curse at them, He didn't condemn them. He said, Hey, come. And they bowed down and worshiped Him. Where are you tonight? What's your story? What are you telling yourself? What's going on in your life? And maybe you're here tonight, lastly. You're a disciple. You're a follower of Jesus. But can you say, do as I do, and you're going to get closer to Jesus? That's what Paul said. Can you say that? If not, why not? What's going on? What area of your life needs to adjust so Jesus' authority comes back into your life fully and completely? So you can say, do as I do. You'll get to know him. What's going on there? Father, I want to thank you that these students, every single one of them, are incredibly precious. That they're fun, they're exciting, they're full of passion and energy, they're exuberant. I thank you for the incredible adventures you have laid out for them. I thank you for the crazy things they're going to do and experience. I thank you for the life that they bring. Most importantly, I thank you for the way you made them, Jesus. That you have every student in this place tonight here for one reason and one reason only. 
to know you. Pray by your spirit you'd work in our hearts tonight, that you'd challenge us, that we'd walk according to your commands. If there's any doubt in us, maybe we believe, but we're not fully in yet because we're just asking all the what ifs, what if this, what if this, that tonight would be the night we say, hey, I'm fully in Jesus and I'll throw myself worshiping you at your feet. Maybe we're fully doubting. We don't believe at all, but I pray by your spirit of these days, weeks, months ahead that every student in this place who doesn't believe in you would stay on the journey and that you would encounter them, real and living Jesus. We love you, Jesus. As we respond now, work, move in our hearts. In Jesus' name. You guys can come forward if you want to to respond. If you want prayer for anything, there are leaders all over this room you to find those leaders. Don't leave here if you feel like you need prayer for anything whatsoever.